We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Villato. Today, we are going to dive into a busy, busy day for the New York Giants franchise. We've got a new head coach. The Giants have landed a new head coach. And this is what I thought would originally happen heading into Tuesday. It's just not the coach I expected. I thought they would hire a coach today. It's not the one I expected. So this day kicked off with breaking news that the Carolina Panthers have hired Matt Rule, the supposed favorite target for the Giants, the guy who was coming to New Jersey today to interview with the Giants after his vacation. He's rescheduled from Waco all the way to New Jersey um, just to meet with the Giants. But that was squashed. And it seems like just minutes later, news dropped by the Giants, really within an hour that Joe Judge was hired as the head coach of the New York Giants. We were off to the races. It was an interesting day for me, Nick, because I was commuting into the city to work from the CBS Sports office on 28th Street in Mad in Madison. And as I walked through the office, again, just minutes after the rule uh, hiring to the Panthers, I expected to hit the ground running and have to you know, edit a lot of work and get a lot of things turned around for the rule reaction. And somebody told me as I walked in the office, the Giants hired Joe Judge. I really did think it was a prank just because I didn't get the notification on my phone. And it was such an out-of-the-park left-field hire. But it was reality. And before I dive into my takes, and we're going to kind of trade back and forth with what we think about this hire and everything we've picked up along the way about Joe Judge that we can hopefully bring to you guys and keep you better informed on your newest head coach, I wanted to get your initial reaction and where you were when the Giants hired, when news broke that the Giants are hiring Joe Judge as the next head coach. I think it was funny because we had the whole podcast basically about all the head coaching candidates. And the one person we didn't have that much information on was Joe Judge because there wasn't that much information on Joe Judge. And I heard the Matt Rule hiring. it, And then I just looked at the contract and I was like, wow, that is a long time, a lot of money. He had to get bought out by Baylor. There was a lot of things about the Matt Rule thing that made me be like – Wow, I'm not 100% sure if the Giants would have went in that direction. And then I heard, like you said, an hour later, the Joe Judge uh, report came out. And I was like, did the Giants did the Giants overreact and just lock a guy down because they lost out on rule and because they didn't want to match that rule number? And then as I read up more about it, I don't believe that was necessarily the case. So it definitely eased me out. But in the beginning, I was like, I hope that's not it. I hope that's not what it is because actually I was leaving a place and right as I got into my car, I turned the radio on and it, I think it was 98.7 and it was the second they were like, we have breaking news. Joe Judge is the new 
head coach of the New York football giants. And I was like, what? And then I just jumped right on Twitter. I believe I texted you right away. I was like, judge it is or something along those lines. And again, I wasn't, I wasn't upset when I first heard it, but I was like, I hope the giants didn't overreact and make this drastic decision, but it does not sound like it was like that whatsoever, which is incredibly reassuring to me. And as I read up more into him and more information is coming out, granted, it's all kind of hearsay because we haven't seen him be a head coach in the game, but it does ease me out. And I'm not jumping off the bridge. Like I feel like a lot of giant fans are for whatever reason. Yeah, Nick, there's a lot to unpack there, but let's start with the Matt rule situation. I think what gets lost occasionally with fans and just, the situation overall is that this is a big leverage game. I mean, Rule was a coveted candidate, and he was, you know, using the leverage of potentially going back to Baylor against. No, I mean, I'm sorry for him with against NFL franchises. And then when the Panthers got involved, it really turned into a game of, of, uh, of a game where listen, <laughs> the Panthers offered him six years, sixty million, with a chance to make up to seventy million if he just gets the base of six sixty. He's going to be already the sixth highest paid head coach in the NFL. This is someone who's never coached a game in the NFL his entire career. And in addition to that, the Panthers paid his buyout from Baylor. So you want to throw that money in. And then you factor all of that in with the situation the Giants are still paying for Ben McAdoo's contract, still paying for Pat Shermer's contract. They're not one of those cheap-ass franchises like the Bengals who won't fire a head coach and replace a head coach because they don't want to double-pay the head coach. The Giants are triple-paying a head coach this year. But to ask them to triple-pay while also making a head coach with no no NFL prior NFL experience, the sixth-highest-paid NFL coach, and a situation where, according to a report, <laughs> he you know his agent uh, called the Giants and said, do you want to match this offer without an interview? I mean, that's an incredible thing to ask. It's an incredible position for the Giants to be put on, on the spot. Um, and it's clear to me the Giants were not comfortable with the length of the deal that they offered Rule. Six years, that's a lot of years. Because remember, these coaching deals are not like player contracts. They're guaranteed money. Essentially, it's like the Kirk Cousins contract we signed with the Vikings. It's against, I mean, it doesn't go against the cap, but this is a lot of money we're talking about that the Panthers are paying Matt Rule. And listen, for those of you who are from New Jersey, you might have a little a little insight into David Tepper, the, the Panthers' new owner. He uh, is somebody who lived uh, 10 minutes away from where I grew up. I grew up in West Orange, New Jersey. He lived in Livingston. I had one time met his daughter, still to this day regret not trying to get in with that. That would have been great. That would have been a great life move. Um, should have dedicated all my resources there towards. You effed up, bro. You effed up. I fucked that up. But listen, <laughs> the fact of the matter is this: this guy is not like other NFL owners. He is ridiculously rich. Keep that in mind. I'm not. We're talking billions of dollars here. This is one of the richest men in the world. Uh, definitely one of the richest NFL owners. And he just threw out money willy nilly at Matt Rule. This was the guy. You know, he probably bought into a little bit of, listen, it's a leverage game. And I'm pretty sure the Giants, the whole rule to Giants buzz and talk and all of that played a factor in Tepper making this decision to go all in. But listen, another factor in this clearly is that he's comfortable with the structure of a GM like Marty Herney, who's currently there in Carolina, who's not, you know, who's in some kind of capacity, but you know, giving a lot of power to the head coach, and that's Matt Rule. And the Giants, they're not comfortable with that structure. You know what? For as much as much as the fans want to bash them, Nick, for this, it's really a ridiculous thing. It seems like, you know, to me, it's kind of more just the fans bashing anything the Giants do because we've seen plenty of times throughout NFL history where teams have given head coaches full GM power like the, the, the Panthers potentially will be giving Rule or a lot of GM power like, the potentially, like they'll potentially be giving Rule. And it hasn't worked out. It's gone the complete opposite way. So for me, that's one way. And then on the flip side of it, the judge hire, why did it happen so quick? I don't think it was necessarily a reaction to rule. More so to me, it was, listen, he was very close to getting that Mississippi State job. And we'll get into this, but judge's background is an alumni. He played football at Mississippi State. Then he worked on their staff for a little bit, learned in the early days, kind of molded him as a coach there. Um, worked his way up, obviously, then made his way to Alabama and New England. We'll get to all of this. But my point is, is Mississippi State really wanted him, and that is a premier job. So the fact that another team really wanted him for a premier job – and listen, they hired Joe Moorhead there. It didn't work out. Moorhead, great offensive coordinator, not a great head coach. But that's an SEC job, Nick. That's a premier job. 
And the Giants knew they had to act fast or he was going to take that job with his alma mater. So I think that's kind of what moved the needle for the Giants there. And the end result was Joe Judge as their next head coach. Yeah, and uh, I'm 100% fine with that, too, because you cannot have him walk out. And by all accounts, I mean, Judge had an excellent presence about him. And according to Charlie Casserly and a couple of other big football personalities who have more insight than a lot of people just on Twitter, he's an excellent communicator and teacher and all these things. He has a certain je ne sais quoi about him. And the fact that he has a Ph.D., I want to say, in uh, in education is another thing that I love about this candidate and I just think he walked in there nailed the interview and wow Gettleman Tish and Mara and I mean more more power to him I mean this guy's been groomed by Bill Belichick and handpicked he got the wide receiver coaching job just to kind of expand his resume in 2019 this last year so I mean I'm excited about it yeah I mean for me Nick I'm not going to go as far as saying I'm excited about the hire I'm excited about the idea of the hire I'm excited that they went outside the box to hire a special teams coordinator for a multitude of reasons. I believe special teams coordinators are excellent options that should be explored a lot more often by NFL teams. And there is a track record of a lot of coaches, including most recently John Harbaugh, who followed a similar path with the Eagles. And, you know, in his last year there, they moved him just from a special teams coordinator to also, I believe, a position on the defense to kind of give him a look. So NFL teams to kind of get, you know, a little insight into what would happen if they potentially hired him as head coach. That's worked out near perfectly for the Baltimore Ravens, in my opinion. Um, and I believe that if you're a special teams coordinator, it gives you a leg up because you're kind of coaching both sides. Of, you have to know both sides of the ball. Your special teams are required to, for, to do a lot of different things. Um, you're, I'm sorry. You're required to teach a lot of different things as a special teams coordinator. And I like the idea of going outside the box. That's the thing I do like about this hire. I don't want to go crazy and saying, you know, amazing hire, blah, 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 because we don't know. And I don't think, I don't think, you know, some people would probably be like, this is a horrible hire because we know nothing about Joe Judge. But if they hear a name like, let's say, Jack Del Rio, be like, well, Jack Del Rio had the fifth best defense in 2016, blah, 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 blah. That means nothing to me. These stats that we can throw out. I had those same stats to talk about when the Giants hired Pat Shermer. Guess what, Nick? I had those same stats to talk about in regards to Eli Manning and the offense in 2014 and 2015 when the Giants hired Ben McAdoo. So I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for somebody who coordinated a good side of the ball. I'm looking for a head coach. That's what the Giants are looking for. And like we've talked about throughout this process, Nick, the key is going to be the staff that he assembles around him. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But before we get to that, I want to know what do you like about this hiring? And then and then we're going to go back and forth on that. And then we're going to go into what maybe concerns us. Yeah. And like you said, there's a lot of conjecture surrounding Judge. What I am excited about is the fact, like we pointed out, this is a special teams coordinator. And that means he has to focus on more of the entire team and not just say you hire a quarterbacks coach. They have like two, three dudes that they focus on An offense only focuses on the offense. This guy has a more broad understanding. And the fact that he is this communicator, the fact that he has that presence and he is a leader of men deemed by a lot of people in the NFL, that does excite me. And you got to think about it. And the last two head coaches for the Giants were both hired as offensive gurus that were kind of tasked to help extend Eli Manning's career and bring a more potent offense to the Giants. But that obviously did not materialize. Both Shermer and McAdoo seemed to not connect with some of the players and even rub some of them the wrong way, especially McAdoo in that front. I think having a person who possesses a background in education can definitely assist in easing those types of situations due to proper communication, fewer misunderstandings, and a more cohesive plan that judge can articulate onto his coaching staff and then onto the players. And that's definitely a positive for me. And another thing I see all over Twitter and I see a lot of big personalities in sports bringing up the fact that he was just a wide receiver coach. And I think that's obviously ridiculous. I mean, people saying that it's a dumb hire because Belichick's coaching tree hasn't been successful. And I feel that's a poor non sequitur take that ignores so many other variables that go into coaching. Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia failed as head coaches. Therefore, all of Belichick's understudies must fail, too. That's lazy. I mean, Kirk Ferentz and Nick Saban are two of the most successful college coaches in this era. And Saban would have probably murdered the NFL if a Miami doctor didn't say that Drew Brees' shoulder was shot. Who would have known what the Patriots dynasty would have been if that materialize you know what i'm saying and then you got bill o'brien had plenty of success in houston and mike vrabel i mean both those guys are coaching this next weekend in the playoffs i mean brian dayball's highly sold after brian flores had success this season with five wins on what a lot of people deem to be the worst team to ever play in the national football league so i don't really want to entertain that belichick coaching tree theory either and the wide receiver thing i mean 
talent wasn't exactly there. I mean, AB gets ousted because he's a turd, and then you have an aging Edelman, a draft reach by Indy and Dorsett, a special teams ace in Slater, and two rookies learning a new system in Harry and Myers. And then Sanu, who got hurt and had to learn new terminology coming in midseason. And it was Judge's first year as a wide receiver coach. He was a special teams coordinator for an extended period of time. I don't like how people are just taking that out on him as well. I think that's just another lazy take. Yeah, there's a bunch, honestly, Nick. I First of all, I completely agree. The wide receivers coach take is atrocious. I won't even, I won't fathom it. I won't listen to it. It's stupid. They they added this responsibility to his to his plate this season, and just because Jacoby Myers and whoever the hell else they put out there wasn't playing well in a, in a ridiculously complicated system that requires option routes and timing and all sorts of things that have nothing to do with coaching, in my opinion, that have more to do with just pure rapport between a receiver and a quarterback and a quarterback who likes things done a certain way, but was practicing and playing with new guys every week. That's just has nothing to do with the coach to me. Um, But let's just go by what I do know. And what I do know is this, as a special teams coordinator for the Patriots, he was elite. And not only was he elite, he was the first young special teams coordinator Bill Belichick ever promoted to that role. And everyone knows that Bill Belichick believes that special teams is extremely important to winning football games from a fundamental standpoint, from a discipline standpoint. For And this he believes that the discipline and the fundamentals that are displayed and that are produced on, on a, from a special teams unit carries over to an entire roster. And he was the first young coordinator he ever promoted to that position. It says a lot. And he did not disappoint. Over a five-year span, the Patriots were the eighth-best team overall in special teams, according to Football Outsiders DVOA, over a five-year span. As far as this season, things were even better in some regards. The Patriots were number one in average start starting field position this season, number one in opponent starting field position, and they were able to also attack the ball extremely well on punts. And this is, has a lot to do with his uh, specific coaching. They blocked two punts that were both returns for touchdowns, a league high, and he never, his unit never allowed a single punt to return for more than 20 yards this season. These are really big stats. And something that really impressed me here was not just these stats in a nutshell, you know, looking at them like that, you know, throwing numbers out. It was an interview I heard that he had before, before he played the, it was a game. It was, I think it was, um, I'm trying to remember who tweeted this out and I saw it recently. I believe it was a video from maybe White, uh, Mike Ray- Reese or Rice, one of the Patriots beat reporters, who essentially posted a video of of of, uh, of Judge talking about the Packers special teams uh, before a game they played the Packers, and it was just the most unbelievably detailed breakdown of every single thing the Packers have done on special teams, every trick of the trade, every time they surprised an opponent in the past, and basically explaining how his guys were completely prepared for all of this and how. Everything they've done is has been noted, has been recorded, has been studied for, and has been practiced against, and they were prepared for it. And that's exactly what his units were with the New England Patriots. They were prepared, they were disciplined, and that's going to be what he tries to bring over. And you know, something that re- another thing that really stood out to me, Nick, that I liked was Bill Belichick's comments on Joe. He, first of all, one important thing here, Nick, that we haven't mentioned that we should mention is a big factor in Joe Judge being hired by the Giants was a call that the Giants made to Bill Belichick after the interview because everything from everything we've heard, he blew the interview out of the park. He was somebody who they probably weren't considering as a top candidate. He had an amazing interview. They called his agent say, listen, we're now, re- we're now really interested in him. Don't, go, don't accept that Mississippi State job just yet. Um, and then, he, then they put a call into Bill Belichick, Nick, and Belichick gave a glowing review of Judge. And that's just something he told the Giants. But what we've actually heard, something that Bill Belichick said about Joe Judge all the way back in July before this 2019 season, Belichick said, and I quote, Joe's a really good coach. Joe does a good job. He's smart. He played quarterback. He played offense. So he has a good offensive background. There are a lot of defensive principles in special teams. He's a good defensive coach. Teaching those fundamentals and techniques in the kicking game, they would also carry over to the defense. Joe could probably coach any position on the field. He does an excellent job of teaching players. He thinks quickly. The game comes easy to him. He understands concepts and adjustments and fundamental techniques. That's the mark of a good coach to me. I would definitely put him in that category. And this is Bill Belichick, Nick. This is not somebody who waxes poetic about anything or anyone. Uh, So it was really interesting to me. These are the things I like. There's a few more things I like. But before we get there, let's flip it back and let's play this a little more balanced, Nick. What are some of the things that may concern you about Judge? 
I would say some of the concerns is the fact that this is a huge step for Joe Judge. I mean, he was a special teams coordinator. He was under the tutelage of Nick Saban in the past and Bill Belichick and all that is great. But going to be a head coach where you are the top dog in the locker room, you are the one making all of the final uh, say with everything that's going on in your on your team. That's a huge jump. And honestly, he could be great understudy. And maybe what if he's just not cut out to be a head coach? You would do not know that unless you go and you fail. So that is definitely a concern. Do I feel like it might materialize that way? Who knows? Do I feel do I not like this move? Absolutely not. I feel like this is a solid move, but that is definitely something that could go wrong for Joe Judge. This is his first time being a head coach, and that's why it's so imperative for him to surround himself with a quality coaching staff that is experienced and even maybe retain some of the Giants coaches. But that would be my biggest concern, the fact that you know, we never seen him do it before, but yep. he has to do it. <laughs> you have to do it. You have to be given an opportunity to do it in order to do it. Obviously, that's a Booger McFarland take right there. <laughs> it's a Booger take, but it really is true. And I think for, for me, my concerns are pretty much along the same lines as yours, Nick. I think that my concern is A, lack of experience. B, can he get the coaching staff in place that we want? Uh, or even that, you know, will be successful. It doesn't have to be the exact guys we want, but as long as they're successful, it doesn't matter. But does he have the experience to gather a great coaching staff? Because, at least according to a report from SNY's Ralph Acchiano, the Giants are going to give him, they're going to learn from their past mistakes when they kind of, you know, gave Pat Shermer, uh, Mike Shula as his offense coordinator. And they're going to give Joe Judge the opportunity to pick his staff instead of having Gettleman or anyone else weigh in this time around. So can he do that? Because that, to me, and I know you kind of agree with me on this, and we're on the same wavelength here, Nick, Assembling a staff to me is the most important job for a head coach. So that would be my my one major concern. I'm not concerned that he hasn't coordinated either side of the ball. I actually think it's better to have a guy like this who's not who's going to allow his, uh, his offensive coordinator to fully take over the play calling the system. He's going to allow his defensive coordinator to fully take over the play calling in the system. So for me, I really don't have many concerns other than the lack of experience and if that might play a role in coaching staff. But I really like some things that we didn't get a chance to get to, Nick, and I want to talk about them. In an interview he had with ESPN, I believe this was maybe uh, – this was back in 2017, actually. I'm looking at it was now. It the, was it the Mike Reese interview? Yeah. You just brought him up before. I implore anybody to go and read this interview. It's a huge Q&A, and there's a lot of great information in it. But go on, Dan. Yeah, I would implore everyone to go read this interview. And by the way, if you're looking, if you want to do so, just hit me or Nick up in the next day when we drop this pod and we'll, we'll send you the link. But also, I would implore you guys to go watch the Patriots, uh, the Patriots documentary, The Patriots Way. It's kind of like the insight into their system. And there's a little segment that I've tweeted today um, that gives you an insight into Joe Judge and the connections he makes with players and the way he teaches, which I think is super important. He is big on he, he even says this he's big on making relationships with his players and understanding the va- trying to maximize the value of each player he even talked about this in in one of these interviews where he said one of the first things he learned and that was during his first run with Mississippi State where he was working under Jackie Sh- uh, Jackie Sherrill who's one of the you know uh, you know legendary coach and he says the mo- one the most the thing he learned there and he talks about every little thing he learned the most important things he learned from Cheryl, and then from his time at Alabama working with Nick Saban, and then from Alabama, that led him to his experience with Bill Belichick and what he learns there. But one thing he learned there is the more you can do, the more valuable you are. And he tries to apply that, and he says he thinks it can, you know, carry over to any to college, the NFL, and it's really important because it just is something that every player can can learn from. But anyway, the way he described his coaching philosophy when asked that question. I quote, and this is again from 2017 from Joe Judge, a smart, tough football team that plays fundamentally sound. If you do those things, you can always have a chance to be successful. That's the Bill Belichick way. That is the Patriots way. And that it was, it was the Tom Coughlin way as well. Being fundamentally sound is something that as at times has been lost on the Giants, I believe, over the last two coaching tenures with Pat Shermer and with Ben McAdoo. Is that something you believe, you know, gets you a little bit excited as well, Nick? Yeah, I I believe the fact that coaching is a people business and I think a lot of just the communication, everything, how you talk to people and that's – remember Ben McAdoo? Ben McAdoo did not seem like he had that going for him and that's why there was a lot of riffs going on when he was the head coach. Pat Shermer has always struggled to talk with the media. Maybe communication was an issue for him but it doesn't seem like this is going to be an issue for Joe Judge and 
You need to know how to relate to younger players. You need to know how to relate to people with different backgrounds from all walks of life. And people say that Joe Judge can do that, and I'm going to take their word for it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And not only is he going to do that, I'm trying to find this now. I I read this earlier, and it was really interesting to me. Uh, Kind of, it was a breakdown of what he kind of he kind of had that Bill Bell. It was a it was a Bill Belichickian like quote about adjusting, being aware of every situation and being open to changing your coaching philosophies on the fly and also within a season. And that that's kind of, the clear thing to me is kind of this you know, not falling into the rush. So for example, this season, the Giants ran the ball on second and 10 more than all but two teams. I tweeted out this chart the other day. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a catastrophe. They were unbelievably bad at it, and they did it more than anyone. They didn't change. And we talked about in the podcast, they kept doing the same things over and over. But I believe that what he believes in, his core is not only having this fundamentally sound team that's disciplined, but also being able to look at past situations and adjust them. And that's kind of what I gleaned from that interview that I was talking about earlier, the video where he was talking about the Packers special teams and what they were prepared for. Because he he basically is like, we're ready to adjust to the fly based on what they show us. And we know everything they're going to do dating years back. And that's just, to me, it's just incredible preparation. I believe that's a huge thing for, for that, that he'll bring to this process. Uh, the attention to detail, man. The attention, that attention to detail that New England just breeds and has. This is something that he's going to bring to the Giants. And that's something that we, as Giants fans, saw under Coughlin. and something that we could definitely use again. And just to go over his little background real quick for those who don't know. Started off Mississippi State. First, he was hired as a linebacker's coach to bring him Southern after his Mississippi State, where he's kind of just a graduate assistant. And he basically worked for free, told them, you know, I just want to work, work my way up and finally got an offer there. But moved on to bring him Southern, thought maybe that would be it for him. But he got hired as a special teams assistant and analyst for Alabama, working under Nick Saban. And that kind of, you know, he even says, he says, working for Coach Saban, this is a quote from Judge as well, working for Coach Saban every day is an education. I loved it. When I took the job, the number one thing he hit me with was the emphasis of developing coaches. I took a position which was low man on the totem pole job. I knew it. And I knew it wasn't going to pay much. And I knew it wasn't going to lead to pats on the back. But I just wanted to work. I wanted the experience. I wanted to learn. He was tremendous. He was intense. All great coaches I've been fortunate enough to be around had that same fundamental philosophy. It's no shortcuts. It's hard work pays off. And Joe Judge, by the way, has been described as intense. I know someone who uh, was connected with that Pats and has been on the sideline. And they said he is intense all game on that sideline, running up and down, screaming, getting the most out of his players. He's going to bring that same philosophy over to his job with the Giants. This is not going to be a, a laid back coach like Ben McAdoo was, or like you saw from Pat Shermer for most of the time. This is going to be an intense coach. And at the same time, he's maintained the ability to be a player's coach because he cares so much about little things, the little fundamentals, the techniques, things on special teams that, you know, might be able to bring the best out of a player that that player might have not known before that. Um, So that's really exciting to me. Um, Just to give one more quote that he actually said from this interview, and it's just because I wanted to round it out, talking about what he learned from coaching under Belichick. And he says, working for Coach Belichick is such an education from leadership to roster management to situational football. That's the key thing. He's going to take over to the Giants, I hope at least, Nick. Roster management and situational football. Because what were the things that the Giants have been lacking under Pat Shermer? Situational football and to to some extent roster management. He says you're always learning. It's always evolving. And there's never one set way of doing things. You're looking for a better way with Bill Belichick. That's something I've always believed in. And it's also to play the best players in everything. Offensive, defensive, and special teams. Whoever's the best player will play. And that's why we'll end up with a variety of players on our units from different positions. And they'll have different roles offensively, defensively on special teams. Some have sole roles in the kicking game only. We're going to find the guy that helps us win. And that was also reinforced with Coach Saban at Alabama. That was communicated very, very clearly, not only to me, but to everyone on the staff. And we're going to play our best players. And it was going to be an emphasis for us. It's important to win field position. And that's exactly what he's, his units did with the Patriots. I expect the Giants to have enough. The Giants have really made drastic improvements in special teams. They were, num- you know, number 32 in DVOA and Football Outsiders in 2017. Thomas McGay, they brought him in. They went to number three in 2018. They dropped back to 17 this year, but it was mostly due to Algic Rosas bringing them down with just an atrocious year kicking the football. Um, but I think this special team is going to jump back up, and I think he's also probably a good guy to get Algic Rosas going because he's done some really good work with I mean, a kicking carousel there 
in the Patriots after Steven Guskowski's injury there. So, Nick, as we move forward here with the Giants' new head coach, I wanted to know, now that we've gone over some concerns, some things we're happy about, who are your targets? Who do you want Joe Judge to bring in to run this offense, to call the plays, and to be his offensive coordinator? So I want somebody with experience is what we've been talking about, and I do think that could really help Joe Judge and just the overall team. So I look at somebody like Jay Gruden. We brought him up on this podcast before. He has a track record with developing young quarterbacks with Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, uh, He and he's just uh, somebody who has experience as a head coach, was an offensive coordinator for a while with the Bengals. So I really kind of like him as an option for this Giants team. But if that does not happen, if he wants to take a year off from coaching, the Joe Brady thing, which he was linked to Wink Martindale, that would be cool as well. I know he doesn't have as much NFL experience, but he does come from the Saints offensive system, which is something that's very, very intriguing. I do believe that he, him and Daniel Jones could mesh as well. So those are two names that I really look at. And I wanted to pitch another name. I don't. I think I might be a little higher on him than other people just because of his development with quarterbacks, and that is Jason Garrett. Now, it's not sexy whatsoever, and I think his offense definitely needs some retooling. It can be some – it's not the most exciting in the world, but I do believe he could really get the most out of – or you can get a lot out of Daniel Jones. So that's a name that I wanted to pitch to you, and I know it's not really a popular one, but he's somebody else that brings a lot of experience behind him and somebody who has a lot of – Head coaching experience, albeit it was kind of uh, mediocre. Yeah, I mean, so for me, I kind of outlined this today in an article I wrote for CBS Sports. You guys can go find it on CBSSports.com. I believe it's in the NFL section right now on the homepage there. And my top guys are very similar to yours. Jay Gruden, to me, is my number one guy by far. I am a big fan of Gruden. Not only his work with Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton, I believe his specific system is extremely quarterback-friendly. And even more so than that, an extremely good fit schematically for Daniel Jones' skill set. Now, at the same time, I'm not a big believer in Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he got his first road playoff win, blah, blah, blah. The Vikings, you know, whatever. He had a couple good throws in that game. Not many. And he was really pretty bad in the first, for most of the game, in my opinion, throwing the football, with the exception of that Thielen ball. But he, in my opinion, is not a great quarterback. And yet, he was awesome in Washington. And his stats were amazing. And, and I believe that. His development as a third-round pick had a lot to do with Gruden. And the same can be said for Dalton, who I don't believe is a good quarterback, another mid-round guy who Gruden seemed to get the most out of there. Um, and even for that brief stint with Alex Smith, Gruden was really doing a good job there too as well. I think Gruden's also an excellent play caller. He does a great job utilizing his running backs in the passing game. Chris Thompson there became a mainstay. He does a great job utilizing the tight ends in the passing game. Another important thing for the Giants, if Caden Smith continues to develop, if Evan Ingram can stay healthy— all good things for the Giants. So he's my number one guy. Um, you you nailed it on the head. I also obviously like Joe Brady. If they can lure him over, I don't see that happening. I also kind of like Norv Turner. I know you didn't mention him. I know he's not a popular name. I like the job he's done in Carolina. I really like the job he's done in Carolina. And I think he's an experienced head coach who could do a really good job there from that standpoint. But as for Garrett, I see the positives. And the positives there, Nick, are... He has developed quarterbacks. He could really help Daniel Jones' development. He did a really good job in Dak Prescott's development. There's no denying that. But my memories of his offensive system are not pretty, Nick. It involves a clear lack of pre-snap motion. It involves bad situational play calling, similar to what we saw from Pat Shermer in bad moments. And that's part of the reason why he had to give up that job with the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, and yet his system was still in place. For a while, it was a hybrid system with him and Linehan, and it really failed again, and they had to move to Kellen Moore, finally, to revamp that and start using pre-snap motion and things like that. So for me, the upside there is the development of Jones, but I think you can get that with a guy like Gruden, and I think you get that with a guy like Norv as well, um, and I think the quarterback's coach will also play a big role in that as well. And so for me, Garrett's not as high on my list, I would say. Yeah, no, and I totally understand that as well. That would be one of the concerns. There's definitely pros and cons when it comes to hiring Jason Garrett. The fact that he does know the division is another pro, I would say, but it's not somebody that I think a lot of people will be clamoring for, but I could understand the hiring is what I'm saying. But I do like the North Turner thing. I mean, you're right. He would get the most out of Saquon Barkley's skill set, and that would be incredibly exciting to see Barkley thrive in that type of system. And I do feel he could get the most out of Evan Ingram if Evan Ingram could ever stay healthy. Yeah, and listen, Ingram's maybe it's a maybe he's that type of player, or maybe he's just you know had some bad luck with these injuries. I, it's hard to say, 
but he's yeah. developing that reputation for sure. But regardless, he's going to head into the 2020 season as a as a potential weapon for any offensive coordinator who joins the staff and somebody who they can design an offense around if they're a little more creative. I mean, listen, he's a guy who ran a 4-4-1, and yet we did we see one ball up the seam and is in his career as he caught one seam ball? It's like cra- it's crazy to think about that that hasn't been incorporated. But North Turner is the original tight end guru. He's the original guy who gets the most out of his tight end. So he's a guy who I'm definitely going to be higher on than most people. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, Nick, who are some of the guys you would like to target for defensive coordinator? I think somebody the Giants just had in the building in Chris Richard. I mean, Chris Richard, he was involved with the Legion of Boom, comes from that Seattle coaching tree under Pete Carroll, where they focus a lot on cover three type of concepts. And I believe that's a defensive scheme and concept that has had a lot of success in the recent NFL. We see Robert Sala running it out there in San Francisco. Gus Bradley has had success with that as a defensive coordinator when he has a healthy secondary, which it seems like they never have out there in San Diego. So look at Chris Richard. He's up and coming. He's about 40 years old, I want to say. Very, very respected person. Learned under Rod Marinelli this past year in Dallas and now doesn't have a job. And I would be 100% fine with that. I would also be 100% fine with Wade Phillips. Granted, he's 72 years old, but he's a sage. He's been around the game. He's the son of bum himself. I believe that he could bring that aggressive nature. He always seems to get the most out of his pass rushers, which I feel like he could really assist guys like O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. And kind of progressing their career. So those two would probably be my top two, I would say. Yeah, I would say, I mean, we're, we're again on the same page here. Richard was my number one. Um, like, like you said, I really want to see the, him employ a cover three, that cup, the aggressive style of cover three to the giants. I think it's awesome. I think, you know, having these players rally to the ball underneath, it just brings a lot of excitement and energy to the defense. And it brings a different level of play, I think. And it ups everyone's level of play, in my opinion, just that system alone. Having said that, um, I agree, Wade would be a great choice. I'm interested as well in potentially Rod Marinelli, who we talked about in that Cow- in our Cowboys All-22, the job he does, you know, shifting those defensive linemen before the snap and using different types of stunts and different ways to create pressure there uh, from his defensive line. I don't think the Cowboys are retaining him because they just hired, uh, reportedly hiring Mike Nolan to be their defensive coordinator. So Marinelli is an interesting name that I'm keeping in mind. He's not my top choice, Nick but he's someone who's at least intriguing to me. Um, And then as far as, you know, any other candidates go, I really haven't expanded my search that much there because to me, I think they should really hone in on either the really awesome experience option. Wade Phillips, in my opinion, has really coordinated excellent defenses every step of the way, even this past year in in Los Angeles, especially considering some of the injuries they were dealing with. Um, Or one of these up-and-comers like Richard, who I really, really like for a lot of reasons. Like I said on the last podcast, um, you know, our Cowboys insider, one of my good good buddies and colleagues, Patrick Walker, just keeps raving to me. He he thought the Giants should have hired him as head coach, and 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 I don't blame him. People love him in that building. They think he's head coaching material, and if he can get the most out of these Giants players, that's exactly what I think this roster on the defensive side of the ball needs needs because I do believe there is a lot of untapped talent and untapped potential on the Giants' defense as evidenced by just how poorly they played and considering, you know, they can't... I just look at this roster, Nick, and I just don't see a defense that was as bad as it was this year. And that's kind of a lot of the reason why I soured potential, uh, personally on James Betcher, even though, you know, I look, you look at him on All-22 and you see these concepts and you see these awesome spurts from Betcher where he's just coming up with stuff to confuse the quarterbacks, but it's just not consistent there, and I just don't see, didn't see the energy with the defense. And I think that somebody can get more out of them. So those are my guys there. Um, any yeah, other specific, I, I think another one uh, just, that's just interesting to bring up because yeah. uh, it was uh, a lot of people thought Robert Sala was going to move on to be a head coach. But now it's looking like it might not happen unless he does get that Browns job, which there is a possibility. But Joe Woods is the understudy. He's the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. If Sala does stay, that's another interesting candidate because yeah. he has a lot of experience as a defensive backs coach going back with the Vikings, with the Raiders, with the Broncos. He was a defensive coordinator for two years with the Broncos as well. So he's somebody who's been around the NFL and just another name that has been kind of floating around as a potential defensive coordinator if Sala does stay with the 49ers. Yeah, I think that's a potentially really good call. And a lot of people, Nick, and that's an interesting one I'm going to dive into, but a lot of people – um, really, a lot of Giants fans at least want the Giants to explore Pepper Johnson potentially. I just don't think it's the right timing for it. I think they need more experience there. And I know you could say Chris Richard doesn't have that much experience, but even so, I think he has a little bit more. And also, I just really like what I've what I've what I've read about Richard and what I've heard about Richard as far Same. as just how 
And and Pepper Johnson has a similar reputation for getting a lot of his players. And obviously, former Giant, all that, all that good stuff learned under Belichick. But I, I just think it's a little bit outside, too outside the box for me right now. Yeah, I'm. I would. I think we're both in agreement that Chris Richard would be our number one option at this point. Yeah, as defensive coordinator. Wade Phillips would be totally good with that too. Yeah, and when it comes to Pepper Johnson, I mean, he hasn't coached in the NFL since 2016, right. so that's a that that would be a concern. Although I would love to have you know Pepper Johnson come back from the old days and and help uh and help coach this team, but I kind of agree with you when it comes to the timing isn't exactly right. Yep. So with regards to the rest of his staff, I think we're both in agreement that it would be a good idea to keep uh, McGay on as the special teams coordinator. Is that correct? Yeah, if that can be done, definitely. And there's there's actually three other coaches that I would uh I think would be are retainable depending on what Judge wants to do. Well, let's see if we agree on those because I'm pretty sure we're going to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll I'll say one. Tyke Tolbert, obviously, wide receivers coach. Yeah, that's a lock. If if he want if they, if you know if he doesn't have somebody in mind with him already uh, that he wants to bring over, and he might because remember he was. Here's the thing that we need that we need to put out there about Joe Judge. First of all. When Josh McDaniels nearly accepted the Colts head coaching job, Joe Judge was going to go with him. And there was some speculation he was going to become their offensive coordinator is what, I, what I've read. But also, Joe Judge is close with the Dolphins' Chad, I believe Chad O'Shea, who, who served as the coordinator this year for the Dolphins, but who's no longer going to be there. So he was also a former wide receivers coach, if I'm, if I'm correct there on O'Shea. And he's someone who I think will potentially be – in mind for Joe Judge right now, somebody he wants to bring along because you know he's going to want to bring at least somebody along with him. He wants to fill out his coaching staff with some people he knows. So I would be curious to see if he maybe gets the wide receiver, uh, p- the wide receiver coach position. If not, maybe even offensive coordinator, but more so, like, more likely at least the wide receiver coach position. So that could be you know bad news for Ty Tolbert. But I'm with you. I would retain Tolbert. Who else? Honestly, I mean, uh, we'll go into that for a second. But Chad O'Shea as the offensive coordinator could be a legit uh, thing as well. To be honest. Yeah, it could be possible. He's not my top choice at all, Nick. Oh, no, neither, neither with me, but just like connecting the dots, I mean, that's definitely something that could materialize. Yeah, definitely. I would say uh, the tight ends coach, Lunda Wells, is definitely Lunda something Wells, yep. to consider. I mean, he did a really good job with Caden Smith, and he's kind of gotten the most out of those tight ends that are quote-unquote no-name tight ends that people would deem them as, but people who aren't as well-known and are relatively inexperienced, he's gotten the most out of them. And then just got to keep the cohesiveness together with Daniel Jones and his quarterbacks coach, and Ryan Roeder. I think that's definitely somebody you have to uh, try to retain. Yeah, I'm with you on all of those. Uh, I like I, I wouldn't be totally devastated if they went a different direction. A quarterback's coach just depends kind of how they feel there and depends who's coming in to be the coordinator. But I agree with you on those two for sure. Um, and then how about Hal Hunter? Giants off? Nah, nah, just kidding. <laughs> Dude, um, Bill Callahan, man. You got uh, the Giants. That would be that would be excellent if they could re- get one of those really experienced offensive line coach, someone like Bill Callahan. That'd be, that'd be very, very good. Bill Callahan's definitely a top target, but someone interesting that I would also consider, Nick, is Harry Highstand, the former Notre Dame offensive line coach who the Bears brought in, um, but now he's, I believe, a free agent now. And he really had – people gave him a lot of credit for developing the, those unbelievable offensive linemen to come out of Notre Dame. I believe they, they had three all-pro offensive linemen in the NFL this year, all players who Harry Highstand coached. So if he's a guy who they can bring in, I think that would be really good for them uh, potentially. Yeah, no, anything to anything other than Hal Hunter. Not to not to pile on top of the guy, but it it was it was hard watching that offensive line with some of the talent that it did have just be so underutilized. Yep, there's no doubt about it. Before we dive into some questions from the listeners, Nick, is there anything else you wanted to add about Judge, about potential coaching staff, or anything regarding today's news? No, I'm just uh, it's good to have some uh, direction. It's good to see, uh, and I'm kind of, I am excited to see how this all materializes with the coaching staff. Because as Dan and I have said so many times in this podcast, that is so imperative. Words can't even not measure how much that freaking means to how this team is going to perform down the line. No doubt, and and just for my, you know, maybe final wrap up, we'll probably give it at the end or in the questions. But you know, I'm also cautiously optimistic. I really am. I believe this is a, a good idea to go outside the box and hire a special teams coordinator. I really like if he could bring over anything that he's learned from Belichick, that attention to detail, you know, adjusting on the fly, situational football coaching that Belichick does so well. It's the fundamental, everything that 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 I believe 
gives them that little edge in every single game, the Patriots. If he's the type of guy who's learned enough from both Staben and Belichick, and from everything I've learned, you know, his players love him. Even though he's hard and he's intense, he's also known as a player's coach, and that's kind of how Bill Belichick is as well. Um, so I think there's, poten- you know, really good potential here for Joe Judge to be an outside-the-box hire that knocks it out of the park um, for the New York Giants. But on that note, obviously time will tell. So let's get into the questions from the listeners. Only a few for tonight's show. Um, let's start with Client9, who asks, who the heck is Joe Judge, and how will his hiring affect priorities in the draft, if at all? It's kind of hard to say how it's going to affect the priorities in the draft. Uh, he's definitely going to want to upgrade some of these positions, but there's still the same general manager in place. So what you're going to want is Joe Judge, get them and put their minds together and kind of come up with the right ingredients for the all the cooks that are in the kitchen. <laughs> that includes Joe Judge, but I think the priorities will stay the same. They need to upgrade at the positions that Dan and I have kind of talked about this entire time. They need to upgrade the offensive line, find a deep Safety that can play cover one deep, even though we don't know who our defensive corner is. You need a safety that is rangy. You need to find pass rushers, and you definitely need to find an upgrade over Alec Ogletree. Draft priorities and the draft process is already, like, done for 2020. It's hard to believe, but, like, just like when Gettleman came in and he said, I'm not going to overhaul the scouting department. I'm not going to be over to be able to overhaul my new scouting system that I want to bring over from Carolina in one year, because this process has been going on for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. They are almost done with their prospect evaluations. They're almost done with this 2020 class. It gets to this point where it's just finishing touches and it's just meeting the guys and it's confirming what they already know. This is a long process and it's not going to, I don't think it's going to affect much of their draft process, no matter who the coach is. And yeah, I think an important thing to understand here is this. Listen, part of why Matt Rule is not the Giants head coach is because he wanted more say over this process, but the Giants implemented a system. And, you know, Mike Lombardi talked about this on, I believe, on either a podcast or the radio today in 19, in the 1980s with George Young when he took over. And there is, you know, a hierarchy there. And listen, this is going to be part of, uh, Gettleman's still going to make the final call here on, on these prospects. And what we've learned about Gettleman along the way is that during the senior bowl and processes like that, meeting the players, he falls in love with certain prospects. And that's going to happen again. This is the Gettleman wet. It has worked out at times. It hasn't worked out at others. But, you know, I mean, actually, it's honestly too early to ever say it hasn't worked out unless you're saying Kyle Oletta, but whatever. It's a fourth-round dart throw at quarterback, and you can take darts. You can take dart throws at quarterback, in my opinion, in the fourth round. But, you know, it's too early after two years to evaluate any of those guys or call anyone a bust or a boom, really. Um, boom, boom, you might be able to say, but bust, you can't really say this early, but this is the process. And at the senior bowl, it's going to continue in that, you know, he's going to probably find another guy he loves at the senior bowl. He loves Corey Ballantyne. There's countless guys who he fell in love with there. Um, but that's all confirmation based on what the scouts have already put in. And that's really where the GM gets to look at it and say, oh, wow, let me look at the tape. Let me see what you guys are seeing now that I saw it live, that type of thing. So as far as Judge goes, I don't, I wouldn't expect it to really change the Giants draft process at all. Tim Houston says, we Giants fans might collectively be huge hypocrites. We complain about how conservative the team has been for so long. Now, no, that we, or now that we make an out-of-the-box move, the majority of us are still complaining. Your thoughts? I can only speak for myself, and I wasn't complaining, and I do believe that fans are fanatics for a reason. And the Giants have been such a dumpster fire for so long that it's easy to kind of just kick them while they're down and point and say, ha, you suck, marry this, tish that, all that kind of bull crap. But I think that, yeah, we can be huge hypocrites. I think that's kind of a part of sports sometimes. And uh, it's only time will tell if this is going to be a good hire. It's going to be judged, (laughs) pun intended, on wins and losses. But, uh, yeah, I feel a lot of people don't know a lot about Joe Judge, so they criticize just because they don't know. And then they point at things like, oh, he was a wide receivers coach and the wide receivers weren't good and all that kind of bull crap. So, yeah, at times I think we can be big hypocrites. Yeah, this is just a um, symptom of a team that's been losing a lot lately. This is going to happen with the fan, any fan base of a team that's losing a lot. If you were following another team, Tim, you would see this. You've probably seen this. There, any Jets fan could probably attest that they, this has been the case for them throughout their entire fanhood, really. Um, so it's, it, to me, it's just a symptom of a losing team. There's a lot of piling on. There's a lot of know-it-alls. There's a lot of people who, you know, think one think one way and get confirmation bias based on other people. So it's just part of the process. And the Giants have to start winning games, and that will erase this. Uh, Mark Cavallaro asked, the Giants franchise tag Leonard Williams and then sign him in the NFL New Year? Does the fifth round pick, in addition to the third round that was already going to happen, become a fourth rounder or no? I'm not 100% sure. I would imagine that any kind of extension 
with Leonard Williams would prompt the fourth round pick to go to the Jets, but I can't say it with full certainty. Yeah, I don't have the details on that either, Mark. We will try to look that up and get back to you. I'm not sure if those have been released, though. Um, and on that note, that's all the questions we've got for tonight. We had a lot of fun recapping the Giants' big day. There's still, like we said on the last podcast, a lot in store for this offseason. We have a lot of plans. We're going to be talking Giants' biggest needs. We're going to be talking free agency targets. We're going to be recapping Eli Manning's career at one point, recapping Dan Jones' rookie season. we got a lot planned. Big guests in store that we've already been talking with and we'll continue to talk with and try to set up for the show. There's a lot coming for the Big Blue Banter podcast, so stay tuned with us. Keep it locked and loaded. And as I, you know— like to always ask, the one favor I'll ever ask from you guys is please do us a favor. If you do listen to the podcast, make sure you download each episode and not just listen. And then make sure you tell your friends and family and just give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's going to help us grow. It's going to help us be able to do more and more and come to you guys even more often. And hopefully there will be more news on the way for the Giants. We plan to do more podcasts around the news as well as, you know, specific content that, we, we, that we've outlined, that we've talked about, and that we're excited to do. So, Nick, anything you want to add before we sign off? Now let's see who that offensive and defensive corner is. Let's get this staff going and let's tackle 2020. Oh yeah, let's do it. Um, All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.